Lord, we thank you for your word. We know as we open it, as we read, as we study your word, uh, you reveal yourself to us. And sometimes things don't look pretty as we read them, but we know that you are just and that you're loving and that you're full of mercy and grace. May we see that glimpse of you today as we read your word, as we hear from you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We continue our study today through the book of Revelation in chapter 8. So we remember the scroll that was being opened. It had seven seals. And so far, six of the seals have been opened. And then last week, there was a pause as the 144,000 Jews were sealed. And then also, there was a time of worship taking place before the throne of God. These were the martyrs that were gathered before the throne, worshiping the Lord. And uh, it was an awesome thing to read about. It will be an awesome thing to see. Quite often we read these things and we picture them historically or in the third person. We're going to be there. We're going to see what is going on there. There's a lot of things we're not going to see. I just want to let you know we're, we're not going to have a big screen of what's going on on the earth. I think that would be traumatic for those of us in heaven. It would be unsettling to be there in heaven and seeing all of these things take place. You know, especially when we know that there's going to be many that are our loved ones that will be here at that time Uh, People that we've shared the gospel with that have not received Jesus Christ. And they may be one of the martyrs before the throne, worshiping the Lord. So here is this time of worship. We've been reading about worship before the throne for the last few chapters. And it's not just the worship team worshiping. It's everyone. There's thousands upon ten thousands and and everyone's around the throne worshiping together. And I think it's going to be an awesome sight. It's going to be awesome to be part of that worship. Today's message is titled, The Power of Prayer. And now our attention is going to be drawn back to the scroll as we resume the study in Revelation with chapter 8, verse 1, it's going to be going back to the scroll because there's still one more seal yet to uh, be opened on the scroll. And so uh, we read in chapter 8, verse 1, when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about half an hour.
Now, I'm not going to wait a half hour so you can see what that's like. But you did good for 10 seconds. Um, See, silence is unnerving. It's unsettling. It's like, hold on, someone do something. Someone say something, you know. And um, I don't know what the silence is for because we're not told what the silence is for. Is it the silence before the storm that's coming? Very well could be. That makes a lot of sense, right? Knowing what's going to be coming shortly after, uh, there's this period of silence. Especially after a time of worship and then you enter into silence, it would really make you think, okay, what's going to happen next? Well, We already know, but it's something that probably we won't get the full understanding of a full grasp of until we're there, experiencing the silence. Now, since we already know this, remember when you get there and the silence starts, shut up. Don't, don't start talking during the silence, okay? You already know now. You're, you got, you're clued in. Verse Two, and I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Now, these are not trumpets like the trumpets that we would see today in a brass band or something like that. We're we're talking about a trumpet that's more like a bugle, that's more like uh, something that they're going to blow to an announce, uh, you know, an attack or a retreat, or whatever the case may be, they blow trumpets for different occasions. I have a shofar in my office, and I've used it on occasions at some of the events that we have at the park, and I'll start and signal the beginning of the event by the blowing of the shofar. I was going to do that for you today, except I haven't done it in two years, and it would go something like... and. And you'd be like, oh, that's, that's bad. You know, we're not going to get raptured with that. You know, so there's no scriptural reference supporting the idea of who these seven angels are. We just know that they're mentioned here. And so that's good enough for me. In the Old Testament, trumpets were used for different purposes. They were used to gather people together or to disperse people uh, for different events. They would be blowing the trumpet to announce the beginning or the end of the event. And one of our primary purpose was to sound the alarm, such as when they were marching around Jericho and they blew the trumpets and the walls fell down. Another reason why I didn't want to blow the trumpet today. I made that up. But that'll be my excuse. I'm sticking to it. There will also be a trumpet at the rapture. That's the one I'm really looking forward to hearing. Right? Are we going to hear it? Or are we just going to be gone? Is everyone else going to hear I don't know. But... I know that we will know at that moment who we belong to because we're going to be out of here. Uh, 
You know, we're, we're going to be taken home. We're going to be going to the place that Jesus has been preparing for us. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place, I'm coming back to get you. He didn't say, I'm coming back to earth to establish my throne. I'm coming back to get you so that where I am, you can be also. You see, he's taking us. And I'm looking forward to that, to see what he's been building. He was a carpenter. He really knows. He's been good building. That's going to be good. The seven trumpets of Revelation chapter 8 are to announce judgments that are going to be executed. Uh, They're a call to the armies of God to prepare for action against the enemies of God. Sometimes we like to see judgment carried out. We like to see God doing, oh, good, he got him, you know. He took care of that, you know. And and sometimes we like to see that, vengeance and that type of thing, because we want to see the bad guy lose. But really, we should be praying for the bad guy to be saved. Because at one point, we were the bad guys. At some point, we were the enemies of God. Until we became believers and until we started walking with him. It's a struggle um, for us to actually have that type of forgiveness, that type of love. Jesus doesn't celebrate every time one of the bad people are killed. You know, he doesn't want to see anyone die. The whole idea of hell is for the devil and his angels it's not meant for humans and so Jesus died for the whole world so that every single person could qualify to enter into heaven just through a relationship now I know there are other theological beliefs that people believe, oh, God created some people to go to hell and some people to go to heaven and so on and so forth. I don't get that from my Bible. And if you believe that, it's quite all right. It doesn't disqualify you from heaven. But the love of God is such that he wants to reach everyone. He wants to draw everyone into a relationship with him. And so we shouldn't get hung up on theology uh, and we we shouldn't create things that limit God to, uh, you know, because if some of the beliefs that are out there are true, then we don't even have to go out and share the gospel with anyone. Because they're all going to be saved anyway, right? The ones that are going to be saved, they're going to be saved. So we don't have to go share the gospel. All we have to do is say, woohoo, I'm in. I got my ticket. I've been sealed. Right? But that's wrong. That's the wrong attitude. And we know it when we actually consider it. We know that it's just a wrong attitude. So... 
These are the trumpets that are going to now announce the imminent return of the Messiah to the earth. In uh, verse 3, we now pick up. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar, and he was given much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. And so the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. So here's another angel in verse 3. Another angel meaning another like the others. Okay, it's the same type of angel. But some suppose this to be Jesus that they're doing this because It was a priestly duty to carry the incense. This was something that took place in the temple. It was the job of the priest uh, to take care of the incense. But this angel is not doing the job of the priest. He's sending judgment to the earth. It's not the same thing. And notice that it says he was given much incense. The angel was receiving incense from someone else. It was being given to him. Maybe Jesus is the giver of the incense. I don't know because we're not told who that was. But they gave the angel the incense and now that angel is going to take that sensor, and he's going to launch it towards the earth. The picture here is very similar to the temple and the tabernacle that was here on earth. The incense was placed on the fire when the priest would go in, and then the prayers of the saints and the incense would go up to the Lord, and he would receive the prayers of the saints and the incense. And so that's a great picture of God. The, the, the prayers of the saints are a sweet aroma to him. He loves to hear our prayers. Have you ever thought, I'm not really good with prayer? I, I, I don't. You're just like Moses. I can't talk. I'll have to get someone else to talk for me. I'll get Aaron to talk for me. You know, oh, I stutter or whatever. You know what? God loves every prayer that rolls off our... God loves the prayers that we have in our head that we just think. You know, there are many times I'll be driving along, there'll be an accident or someone, you know, struggling out there in the world and, you know, I'll just lift up a prayer and you know, say, Lord, help that person. They need help, you know. And and then he says, stop the car. Oh, no, I'm late. Right? Don't we do that too? You know? Hold on. Well, I do want to do something. I want to use you. Okay, well, he'll have to use someone else because I was late for a meeting. Um, We 
have to be sensitive to when God tells us it's you. I'm going to use you to do this. Fortunately, Cheryl is very sensitive to things like that. So when we're driving along and she says, oh, pull over. I want to give that person some money. I'm like, what? Hold on. Are you sure it's from God? Uh, Do you, you know, no, I just pull over because I know that that's how God works. And we're going to do that. So the smoke of the incense was mixed with the prayers. Although we aren't told these prayers may be actually related. Remember the martyrs that were under the altar that prayed. Lord, when? How long are we going to be here? And he said, just a little while longer. Rest for a little while longer until the rest of those who are going to be martyred are martyred. Until that's complete. And then we saw them before the throne, meaning it's complete. And now they're before the throne worshiping the Lord. And so that tells us, okay, the cycle is done. And maybe their prayers were now being answered in this form, the vengeance that God is going to carry out. So the angel took the censer, filled it with fire, and threw it to the earth. And the picture of judgment on the earth may be revealing the power of prayer. The prayer of those who have been praying, Lord, do something. Judge these people. Judge the ones who are your enemy. The martyrs' prayers. In Ezekiel chapter 10, there's a reference to a man who took coals from the fire and scattered them all over the city. And this was a demonstration of judgment that was going to be carried out on the city. Uh, So when the censer was cast by the angel, it caused thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. This is a precursor of the judgments that were going to be carried out later on. But these are natural events, right? Earthquakes, thunderings, lightnings, those are are natural events that are, are being carried out. That always caused me to question What are the natural events that are taking place in the earth today that are judgments from God that he's causing or allowing to happen so that we would wake up? And it seems like we're not waking up. And many of these different natural disasters can be attributed to a certain time of an event that we have where we deny Israel uh, the right to their own land and try to divide the land. That's happened in a few uh, times in the last couple of decades where we got involved in trying to divide the land of Israel. God said, once I bring them back in, it won't be divided again. And so we can see that God's not going to allow, regardless of what's going on with the Abraham Accords and all those other things, those are man's way of trying to solve spiritual problems. There is no human way to solve spiritual problems. The human way to solve a spiritual problem is to follow the will of God, to do what God wants us to do. That's the solution to a spiritual issue. 
But the world isn't paying attention to what God says. The world is trying to solve things on their own. We're we're trying to raise up people who seem to have a good plan. And it doesn't matter which side of the aisle they're on. Or maybe dead in the middle of the aisle. It doesn't matter because they're using human intuition, human knowledge to try to solve spiritual problems. Really, the problems in our world today are spiritual problems. Even Islam gets that. You know, they they want to instill Sharia law wherever they are, you know, their their areas. They they want to do that. They get it. It's a spiritual issue. Unfortunately, they don't understand the true and living God the way we do through the word of God. And so when they do the things that they do, they think they're doing it to worship their God. Uh, They're really just misguided. And they are worshiping their God. His name is Satan. And that's who they're following. So these seven angels are now getting ready to sound their trumpets in verse 7. We read, the first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood. And they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. So, I have to say, that's not a good thing. (laughs) This is climate change at its worst, right? Um, But... Uh, we, we see that it's from an angel and hail and fire followed. And so fire can be pictured as flames coming out of the sky. But I believe it's different. I believe it's lightning. When lightning hits the earth, it starts fires. And so while they just saw the flash, uh, the fire is the result of the flash. And so I believe that what they're seeing is lightning, although they use the term lightning in other places, and this time they use fire. So is it? I don't know. Because we know that the two um, prophets that are at the temple during the tribulation period are going to be able to speak, and fire is going to be able to come down uh, out of heaven, uh, sometimes when you watch some of the, the movies, uh, the end time movies, fire comes out of their mouth um, and, and it, you know, uh, that's, it can't because they have beards and mustaches. They would burn them. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's not that. It's the fact that the word that they're speaking is calling down fire. And, and so people get caught up in these things. And if it's fire coming out of their mouth, cool. Not going to be here for it. So we see that fire and blood are mingled and thrown to earth. So this sounds very similar to the seventh plague that God brought upon Egypt in Exodus 9.23, where it says, And Moses stretched out his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and fire darted to the ground. 
and the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. And so there was hail and fire mingled with the hail, so very heavy that there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail struck throughout the whole land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast, and the hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. That's God. You know, he, he makes it to fall. The wrath of God falls where he wants it to fall, but he keeps it from falling on his children. That's something that we can cling to today. That's a promise we can cling to today. When people say, well, we're going to go through the tribulation, I don't think so. Because why would God want to beat us up in the tribulation? Oh, no, he's going to protect us like he did the Jews here. You know, I don't see it. I, I don't see it in Scripture. I see that he protects us by taking us out of the way. And so the church agents and the time of Jacob's trouble begins, the time of the prophecy of Daniel begins, and that's specifically for the Jews. And so um, this is how I read the Bible, and I know many of you agree that's a, a good understanding. Some people want to go through the tribulation. I have no idea why. From what I read here, I don't want to go through the tribulation, right? So, um, but over and over again, I, I see that that's not happening. Interesting how this was a plague that God used before, and this is going to happen again in this different way. Pharaoh was warned that this was going to happen. Moses and Aaron went before Pharaoh and told him, if you don't release the children of Israel, this is what's going to happen. And he said, no. And it's what happened. We live in the day and age where we know what's going to happen. And we can tell our neighbors, this is what's going to happen. This is what the Bible says is going to happen. Now, can I please... Uh, convince you that is not the first thing you should share with your neighbors. <laughs> you know, hey, what you going to do in the tribulation? You know, how are you going to handle that? You know, what? They don't even know anything about the tribulation because they don't know about the love of God. That's what leads them to repentance. It's the Holy Spirit drawing them into a relationship and that's what will lead them to repent and to believe in the name of Jesus. And, and so it's the good news, not the bad news, that gets people saved. Oh, the bad news may get people saved too, but um, you know, I really don't think that's a good way to go out and lead people into a relationship with the lover of their souls. You know, he loves you so much, he's going to send you to hell if you don't believe in him. I, I 
that message just doesn't seem to resonate with me or a lot of other people. So, um, you know, so here, one third of all trees, all the grass is going to be destroyed. Now, this is important because we get oxygen from the trees and the grass and all of that. And the term being used there for grass actually is talking about ground-level plant life. And so we look at that as being photosynthesis being the method of providing oxygen. Well, we're having our oxygen cut off. We're, um, something bad is happening to our environment. Verse 8. Then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain, burning with fire, was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. And so here we see a third of everything being destroyed, a third of the people dying from these things. And this is hail and fire that's coming down. Something like a great mountain. So he couldn't really understand what it was that was coming down, but it was something, a meteor, maybe. Um, but it came down and it hit the earth and it burns the earth uh, with fire. Is this just one of the seas that are being hit? Or is it all seas? I'm not really sure. I think it's going to have much more impact. So let's say it hits the Pacific Ocean or even the Atlantic Ocean. It's going to have repercussions throughout the whole world because all those oceans are connected. All the seas are connected. Uh, but uh, if it's more localized, um, that will cause a local event. I don't think this is a local event because um, Jesus said in Revelation 3.10, I'm going to save you from the trial that is coming upon the whole earth, not a localized event. And so we can see that this is something that's probably affecting everywhere. Some people try to look at this and say, well, this is just a metaphor. It, it, it's not really what we're seeing. The mountain, that's a nation. And the sea is a, a group of people. And, um, and that's how they try to, first of all, I ain't never seen anything like this before. Have you? Uh, no. It's never happened, so we can just take off the table the idea that this took place in 70 AD or sometime around there. We could just take that off the table, because as we read Revelation, we can say, that didn't happen. You know, one-third of the world didn't die. Oh, the bubonic plague. Well, that was very localized. It was in one area that a lot of people died. But it didn't affect the world like we're reading about here. This, this is much worse than anything that we've seen. So I believe this is a literal interpretation as we read this. We've seen this before, though. In Exodus chapter 7, God performed the first plague uh, upon Egypt in Exodus seven seventeen, And it says that, thus says the Lord, 
By this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the waters which are in the river and with the rod that is in my hand, and they shall be turned to blood. And the fish that are in the river shall die, and the river shall stink. And the Egyptians will loathe to drink the water of the river. So here's another time where the waters were affected. And we see the similar judgment now taking place during the tribulation period. There's an addition to this. The plague also include a third of the ships being destroyed. Can you imagine what that will do for the economies of the world? Merchant ships, military ships, a third of all ships being destroyed during this time. Verse 10. Then the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. And the name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the water because it was made bitter. And so this is another destruction similar to what we would expect from an asteroid hitting the earth breaking up and then landing in many places on the earth. A third of all the drinking water is contaminated. And this was also a part of the first plague in Egypt, where the water became undrinkable. And since there was a famine, there will be a famine going on on the earth at the same time. The water being damaged like that is going to be very problematic. So now you're going to have bad water that you can't use to raise crops. And there's going to be all kinds of problems with that. Consider this, that we get our oxygen from plant life, from the trees, from the grass, and so on and so forth. 30% of our oxygen comes from trees, and only 30%. Where does the rest of it come from? Plankton. They come, it comes from the seas. 70% of our oxygen comes from the sea. I didn't really know this until I started reading up on it and studying it, and I was like, oh, you know, that would have been good to know when I was in the Navy. No wonder I could breathe so good when I was out there on the ship. But, you know, it... it uh, that's where our oxygen comes from. So if one-third of that is damaged to where it doesn't function, and then one-third of the 30%, we're in trouble. There's going to be climate change like never before. Uh, the people that have breathing issues are going to be the first to go because oxygen levels will be depleted in such a way where they're not going to be able to breathe. So this is scary stuff that's happening on the earth. We don't really consider the level and the depth it's going to be, but it, it, it's going to be frightening. Then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. A third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. And I looked and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice, 
Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. Frightening? See, the angels that sounded caused all of this to happen and now there are three more that are going to be worse. And it's frightening for those people who will be here on the earth at the time. Now I believe that once again this is way towards the end of the tribulation period. I believe that God has already done everything that he is going to do to reach people with the gospel message. Being able to reach people so that they could repent and be saved. You see, one third of the world has been killed off. But two thirds are still there to hear the message. They're still there to hear the angel flying through the heavens. They're still there to hear the 144,000 Jews that are going out spreading the good news. They're still hearing that they can be saved. For those people who have been told that there is no salvation after the rapture, don't believe it. There's still an opportunity. There's still a chance to be saved. And all you have to do is ask Jesus Christ into your life and repent from your sin. That's what God is trying to wake people up to during this whole tribulation period. He's giving people one last time. We live in the day and age where we are the messengers to the people that don't know the truth, that aren't hearing the truth. If they turn on the news station, they're not going to hear the truth. I don't care which news station it is. They're not going to hear what they need to hear to be saved. Although there was one show where Pete Hegeth got on a show on uh, Jesse Waters, filled in for Jesse Waters, and he gave the gospel message. He went on for like five minutes giving the gospel message on this show. It blew me away watching him just, he laid it out perfectly. And it was beautiful. It it was like everyone needs to hear that. Of course, he's never been on again since then, but it doesn't matter. You get the shot, make it stick. And he did. So all of this is taking place. Matthew 24, 29, Jesus says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heaven will be shaken. That's what we're seeing right here in these scriptures. Those very things. The moon is darkened. The sun is darkened. What kind of climate change is that going to cause? And then with one-third of the plants and the oceans and all of that, it's not going to be a healthy time uh, to be alive. You know, I know people are preparing by buying those Patriot boxes and storing up and stuff like that, you know. 
Forget about it. If you store it up, someone's watching, you know, and, and they'll be coming to your house and they're going to take it all from you. Uh, you know, they're, you know what's going to happen? The Mormons are in trouble. They've got to store up two years of stuff. They really, this is true. Mormons stock up two years of food for their families in their houses and stuff. People are going to know. Let's go. <laughs> That's a Mormon neighborhood. People in Gilbert are going to have food. Uh, you know, because there, there's food there. And I joke about it a little bit, but, you know, here's the reality of it. People think that they're going to be able to prepare for this. There is no preparing for this. There is nowhere to hide. Men are going to be running into caves, calling on the rocks to fall on them. Because there's nowhere to hide from this. We close considering the goodness of God. One third is going to be destroyed, but God is still holding on for those two thirds that are still hearing the message. He's still giving them a chance to repent. And just as God listens to the prayers that were lifted up to him with incense, we should be praying for those people who don't know him now. Look, you don't have to make a list this long. Make a list this long. Just do a list this long. Get those names on that list and pray for them daily. Because we don't know how long it's going to be before the Lord returns. But every moment that we have that we can ask him to, if we can intercede on behalf of someone, and every one of us knows someone. Every one of us here knows someone. Lots of someones. Put their name on a list and pray for them. Because God is faithful. He listens to our prayers. They're a sweet aroma to him. And he, that's his will for these people to be saved. That's what, if we pray things in the will of God, he acts upon them. We have a God not only who hears our prayers, but he answers our prayers. And he's working on them, but we have to pray. That's our responsibility. That's our job. So let's keep reading his word and praying and be prepared for that day when he comes to bring us all home. Amen. Lord, we thank you for the good news. And Lord, we thank you even for the bad news because it tells us how we can be prepared and also how we can reach others, not giving them the bad news, but giving them the good news by sharing the love of God with those who don't recognize him. And Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would go out. And Lord, as I even mentioned prayer for those of our loved ones that still need to be saved, I know many of the folks that are here had images running through their heads of who those people are. Lord, I pray 
that even now you know, you already know who those people are. Even now, Lord, I pray that your spirit would move in the hearts of those people, that you would draw them in, that they would recognize your truth and they would turn from the lies of the world. Help us, Lord, to continue to shine until the day you return, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.